Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We educate, we connect, we care. We're In Social Work. Hi from Buffalo. The end of September brings another unique aspect of life to Buffalo. Curtain Up, the 36th annual celebration of the opening of the Buffalo theater season is upon us. Many visitors are surprised to see that downtown Buffalo has a thriving theater district of our own. Curtain Up celebrates the new theater season with dinner, opening night performances at various theaters, and when the curtain finally falls, the Theater District Street Party goes into full gear. I'm Peter Sabota. In this episode, our guest Janelle Goodwill describes her research exploring what is unique about how media affects black college-age men, eventually identifying their preferences and attempting to learn how young black men use media for social support and how it affects their mental health and views of black masculinity. Specifically, our guest describes the YB Men Project and Intervention that attempts to answer these questions and also attempts to learn more about how black men are interacting with each other across media platforms. Ms. Goodwill describes how she worked to build in engagement with a traditionally difficult to engage and retain research population. Now that they've implemented their project intervention, she describes what she is learning and comments on the post-intervention outcomes she is reviewing. Our guest concludes with implications for social work practice and the new questions her current research has fostered. Janelle Goodwill is a Ph.D. candidate in the Joint Program in Social Work and Psychology at the University of Michigan. Janelle was interviewed in August of 2017 by our own Dr. Christopher St. Ville, assistant professor here at the UB School of Social Work. Thank you for coming to the In Social Work podcast. My name is Chris St. Ville, and I'm here with Ms. Janelle Goodwell, who is a PhD candidate at the University of Michigan School of Social Work. And we're here to talk about your research. We're here to talk about Ms. Goodwill's research around media and black men. So to start off with, we all know that the media impacts people in different ways. For example, with girls in particular, we know that the images of women on TV and in the magazines, how they tend to make little girls have a negative body image or they compare themselves to these bodies on television and in the media. We know that media impacts people in different ways. So why should we be concerned about the impact of the media on black males? That's a good question. And, you know, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much, Dr. St. Ville, for having me um, on the podcast. I'm really excited. And feel free to call me Janelle from this point out. Um, I am working on becoming a doctor, but I'm not quite there just yet. So in terms of your question, though, I think you're totally on the right track when you mention um, the role of media with young girls, particularly Black women's experiences with self-esteem and, and the way that they feel about themselves. But I think it's interesting because we really don't know much about how media impacts young black men. Seems like there's a lot of really great work that's been done with adolescent black males. So those may be in elementary or middle or high school, but it seems like there's kind of a drop off once folks get to college or even young adulthood for black men. So I think that essentially there's a gap here in the literature where you know, we've been following black men throughout those adolescent years. But once they get to college, it seems like we really don't have much information about 
how they are interpreting media and how media impacts their experiences with manhood, masculinity, and adulthood development. So essentially, I think that's why we should be concerned about it because simply there's just not enough information out there, particularly on the research side of things, of how media is shaping young black men's views of themselves and the world that they live in. Very interesting. Tell me a little bit about the whole project that you have where you're carving out this particular question involving your research. Tell me about this YB Men Project. Sure, I'd love to. So essentially the YB Men Project is an online Facebook-based intervention that really seeks to better understand and address the unique mental health and social support needs of college black men. And so the intervention was developed by Daphne Watkins. She's a professor here at the University of Michigan. She's also my advisor. And so under her leadership, I've worked as a project manager for the past few years on the intervention. And essentially what we've done is we've gone around to some different schools in the Midwest, and we've offered this intervention for guys who are in college to really try to understand what it is that their unique social support needs are, and also their ideas surrounding manhood, masculinity, and also mental health. And so essentially, this aims, and, and the whole goal of it is to really try to combat these rising rates of depression and other adverse mental health outcomes. And so we thought that using online could be a really helpful way to reach people simply because of the age that we live in. But then also in terms of feasibility and accessibility, it seems like creating an intervention online could be a way to reach folks who usually have not been represented in the literature. I'm really curious, how was the data collected for this? So essentially the way that it works is that and then we'll go to a school and then in the beginning of the fall term, we will recruit men to participate in the intervention. At that point, guys will participate in both an interview with one of our research staff members, and then they'll also participate in a Facebook group. And the Facebook group is private, so people who are not in the intervention cannot have access to it for safety and privacy concerns. And so essentially, after completing the interview portion, guys who participate in the Facebook, members of our research team will then go and to the Facebook group and post all sorts of psychosocial and mental health support and educational information inside this group. And we ask guys to respond because essentially we recognize that young black men are the masters of their own lived experiences. I mean, we're the researchers, but we are not the masters. Like I myself, I identify as a black woman, so I definitely don't have the answers. And so I think that it's really important that we are actually seeking the advice, the information from the participants and the people that we include in our study. And so from there, once guys are in the Facebook group, our research team will post, and really our goal is to facilitate the discussion there. So we'll post different things, whether it's a song from YouTube or you know a hot new article that's out, or we'll ask them to respond about different things that are happening in today's popular culture, and we'll tie all that information back to things related to social support, mental health, and manhood. And so by that time, and, and through those interactions, we're able to really see how Black men are interacting with us, how Black men are interacting with media and popular culture, but also more importantly, how Black men are interacting with each other and amongst themselves. That's amazing. Just curious, how many men were you able to sustain in that study? Yeah, so essentially we, we rely on our campus partners to determine how many men they want to be in the group. And so a lot of times what we've done in the past is we've gone to schools, we've worked with maybe the multicultural center or one of the on-campus student groups. And then at that point, they determine how many people they would want to participate in the intervention. So at this last go round, we had 22 guys. 
the time before that, we had 30 guys total, but then we had about half of those men participate in the intervention. So we never want the Facebook group to be too big. We never want it to be, I say, no more than like 12 or 15 people. But at different points throughout the intervention, we'll have different Facebook groups going on. It raises concerns if the Facebook group gets too big that people won't participate or they, they won't feel comfortable sharing with too many people. So Essentially, you know, we rely on our campus partners to, to give the number, but we do try to keep it relatively small. That's great. So given that black men in general are like a hard to reach group to sustain and research activities, what steps did you and your team take to ensure that there was some cultural sensitivity and humility during this whole research process in trying to sustain this hard to reach population in this study? You know, Dr. Sintel, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think this is something really important that Social work researchers and really all researchers should be considering and thinking about whenever working with community-based populations or underserved participants. And so you're totally right in saying that Black men are hard to reach. I think it's because historically, research has not been always so kind and welcoming and inclusive of Black men. And so I think that can be one barrier to getting Black men involved in research. But essentially, what we did is that my advisor really modeled this really well. Again, her name is Daphne Watkins. And so what she did is that she contacted leaders at the schools we were working with, people who were in administration positions or working in the multicultural center, and from there just reached out to them and asked to meet with them. And over time, began to build relationships with them before we even stepped foot on the campus, before we even did one ounce of data collection, before we even did one survey with participants. We were there for months and built relationships with those staff workers at the university, the people who were there on the ground doing the work with students. We built relationships with those folks for months before we even went into the field. And so it's during those conversations and during that time that those staff members gave us feedback on our recruitment materials. They gave us feedback on some of the questions we were asking and they told us, hey, you know, that's not gonna work for young black men or, you know, you should really revise this or change that. And so again, I think it takes that culture humility piece, recognizing that we're the researchers and that's all, but we are not the the experts on everything and we are not the masters of these young black men's lived experiences. So, you know, I think just to kind of sum it up, I would say, you know, building relationships early and then also having a sustainability plan in place for what happens after the research is done. You know, a lot of times there's researchers who may go into a community, collect their data, and then the folks never hear from them again. Through the Wise Men Project, we've developed some ways to create some sustainability plans to ensure that we can build relationships that last well beyond the intervention ending because, you know, we don't want to be irresponsible researchers. We don't want to go into a community and then just be done with them once we're done with our data collections. I would say that that was the main ways that we practice cultural sensitivity and humility. That's amazing. I need to take a page out of y'all book for that. (laughs) So then you guys are able to recruit these black men in college. You're able to sustain them. You're, You're providing positive online messaging to get them to reach some positive outcomes. So what were the findings of your study in particular in regards to the media? Well, I think this is one of the really interesting things because we did not anticipate guys kind of sharing so much about how media influenced their views on really so many aspects of their life. And so essentially the findings kind of came out in three separate overarching themes or groups, you could say. Guys talked about Black men in the media who were either athletes, who were entertainers or who were also social movement figures. And so, you know, this is another reason to be mindful of the cultural context and the time that you're living in, the time that you're collecting the data, because these data were collected in 2014. And so that was a really, really interesting time in U.S. history and particularly for race relations, social justice issues. And so 
guys talked about those sorts of things in these three groups of social movement figures, athletes, and entertainers. I'm just a little jealous that college professors weren't in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm not someone people are looking up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's just, it, it seems to be more about visibility and who guys were looking to more so than, you know, what they were exposed to. And so I would say I was really interested to see that guys were really talking about both the positive and the negative aspects of some of these popular figures that they either wanted to be like or wanted to be absolutely nothing like. I think that was one of the really interesting things is that they were able to really kind of dissect which sorts of behaviors, attitudes, beliefs, cultural views that were portrayed by men in the media that they either really liked or really didn't like. And I think that that was one of the most fascinating, really exciting things because it shows that the young men in our study really were critical consumers of the media and use these sorts of interactions and sort of portrayals in the media to determine what type of man they wanted to be. Wow. So among those three, the athletes, the entertainers, and the social movement figures, did any one of those three groups get more attention than the other two? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. I would say there were some that got more attention than others. I mean, we did see some saturation eventually in some of the interviews with guys talking about particularly the athletes, I would say in particular, and the entertainers as well. Um, a lot of the guys, like I mentioned, these data were collected in 2014. So that was the year when athletes like Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson, those stories went really, really big in terms of the domestic violence charges that were brought up against both of those football players. And so guys talked about watching the Ray Rice video or talked about Adrian Peterson's situation with his young son and talked about essentially what it meant to be a man in romantic relationships and what it meant to show love or to not show love or to be physically abusive. And then also with Adrian Peterson, a lot of guys reflected upon their own experiences with their father and what discipline looked like. A lot of guys mentioned that for them getting spankings, what they, or whoopings, you know, whatever uh, term folks want to use. And they talked about how for them, like that was a part of their experience growing up. But there were other guys who mentioned that, you know, after looking at some of the pictures, they felt that it went too far. But then there was also this other piece about how these black football players, how their lives off the field impacted people's perception of their ability to play and their worth as athletes. So I would say because of the time that we were living in and because that was a really, really popular thing all over the news with those two athletes, that definitely took up a lot of attention. But then also we collected these data in 2014. So guys were talking about the Michael Brown case and, and his death and how that impacted them, you know, because Michael Brown was their same age as these guys. We were talking with first, second, and third year students in college. And so, you know, they talked about just what he meant to them and how they felt like they had to essentially be more cautious, more aware, more mindful of the way that they interacted with people, particularly regarding their bodies in whatever space that they went in on campus and not always feeling comfortable in many of the spaces on campus that may or may not have been designed for them. It was really interesting and really, really important for us to hear from these guys about what sorts of things they're facing and what sorts of things they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow. So when I think about these three groups, I also think about how the majority of men are probably interacting with these three groups via TV. So you talked about how black males are critical consumers of the media. Should black males be looking to the media for representations of role models? Mm. 
Oh, you know, that's a very, very loaded question. And so, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't think that I have all the answers, but I will say, yes, I want to, I mean, I definitely want to be clear in stating that media itself is not inherently bad. There are so many positive aspects of media and so many positive aspects of black manhood portrayed through media that I definitely am not one to say that men should not look to media for positivity. I would say that from these findings, we can really think about the fact that it seems that Black men, like I mentioned before, are really spending a lot of time thinking about what's the things they either want to adopt or reject in their own lives. And it seems like I think we all need help with that, not just these college Black men, but I think that we all need help in determining what sorts of things we view on TV or see on social media, what sorts of things we're either going to adopt in our own lives or reject and what we do. So I would say, yes, look to the media. I mean, I think it's also kind of impossible not to in the day that we live in. If you are just a human being, you're alive, particularly living here in the U.S., I think you are going to be exposed to media in some way, somehow. And so I would say overall, yes, look to the media, but then also make sure that you have people or you have support systems in place to help you determine which sorts of things are good and what sorts of things are not so good and what sorts of things are most appropriate for you to actually carry out in your own life. Right. And given this importance of media in our lives, I mean, even as researchers, we're starting to realize now the importance of media and engaging in research and engage with the people that we want to do research on. So in the article that you published in 2016 titled Strengths and Weaknesses of the Young Black Men, Masculinities and Mental Health Facebook Project, you discussed the desire of your study participants, like this desire for more media and cultural references. So here they are, they have an appetite for more media. What are the implications of that in the light of your study findings? Yeah, that's uh, that was really, really interesting. So just to give a bit more context into this paper, I'll say that my advisor, like I mentioned before, the person who actually started the intervention, Dr. Watkins, she's the first author on this paper. I'm one of the co-authors. And so in that study, the paper that you mentioned from 2016, it kind of just go, gives an overview of things that guys really liked about the intervention, things that they wanted to see more of. And so guys, we were really surprised to see that in the, in the post-test interviews and in the Facebook group, guys were asking for more, more resources, more information that was culturally sensitive. And so I think that was really the main finding. I think that's one of the strongest implications is that guys were interested in receiving more information from us. But I think the key is that they wanted it to be culturally relevant and culturally sensitive. So essentially, there are some things that, you know, may be important to me because I'm a, a doctoral student, a Black woman, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be as important to the young Black men who are in our study. And so essentially, I took it as them encouraging us to really spend more time actually hearing from other young Black men about what sorts of things we should include in future iterations of the project and in future phases of the intervention. So them asking and saying that they wanted more media and cultural references, I think was overall encouraging, but it was a signal to us that intervention research really has to be tailored for the communities that it's going to be implemented in because if not then the findings may not be what we're looking for what even the participants may be hoping for we're talking about culturally specific interventions here yes <laughs> so what does all of this mean for social work practice your study findings this whole idea between the relationship between how black males perceive themselves and the media so what does this mean for social workers in practice Hmm, yeah, you know, I spent so much time thinking about this just throughout our data collection processes. And I, I would suppose that it means, and I keep coming back to this, but I think that social workers 
are uniquely situated, more so, I would say, than people in other areas or other disciplines, to really be both connected to people in the community, but then also translating all that information and still doing rigorous research in the academy. And so I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about social work is that it allows us to really travel between both spaces, between community and the academy, sharing the findings and sharing the research and all those sorts of things. So I think for social work practice, it's just, again, a reminder that we have to be inclusive of people who typically haven't been represented in research and in the literature that we're reading, but then also a reminder that we don't have all the answers and that it's going to be important that we have strong relationships with community members and with our community partners. So like I mentioned earlier, we spent time with those staff persons at the universities way before we actually collected any data. And if it had not been for them, we would not have had an intervention, not only because those folks helped us reshape and retool our recruitment materials, but they also got guys interested in the study. I mean, th- those were the folks who were actually working there every day. When, when we're only there for a few hours collecting data or for, you know, a semester or whatever, even before and after that, those staff persons are the ones who are there on the ground doing all of the work and with the guys. I would say for social work practitioners and researchers alike, it's important to maintain those strong community connections, always be mindful of the cultural sensitivity and humility, then also be open to change and be open to changing some of the recruitment materials, some of the uh, questions, and also some of the content that you plan to cover in the intervention, because we were able to take their advice and take their responses so that we could create an even better and more culturally relevant and effective intervention for the future. I think we're definitely going to need to have you back to talk more about the outcomes of the online piece, aside from the media piece, because I'm pretty sure some of our listeners would love to hear more about this online intervention and what kind of outcomes they're achieving for black males. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, we're in the process of collecting data every fall. So we're gearing up right now to start a data collection again in September of 2017 at some other schools here in the Midwest. The paper that I have talked about and that's kind of referencing this podcast that focuses more on the media is under review right now. So we're hopeful that we're going to continue to collect data, but then also translate that information and get some of these materials out to the public very soon. Oh, that's going to be very interesting. Tell us, where do you plan on taking your research in the future? What's next for you? Well, right now, you know, I just want to pass my uh, preliminary qualifying exam (laughs) (laughs) and working on that now. And so once that's officially done, once I get the thumbs up, I'll move on to the dissertation piece. I really have realized that like I have a heart for intervention research. I think that's really exciting. I think really what tugs my heart is being able to work in communities. It also just adds a dose of reality. I mean, it's one thing to sit behind the computer here at the University of Michigan and read a bunch of research articles, which is great. I love research. But to actually go out into the community and see how research is impacting lives and improving social support and mental health outcomes for people that I care about really means a lot to me. Essentially, I plan on continuing to learn just so much more about this topic, but then also delving deeper into intervention research in the future. Oh, amazing. And we're going to be looking out for you, a rising star in social work and this intervention research. We'd love to have you back. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being willing to partake in this interview and for telling us about your research. And like I said, we'll be looking out for it in the future. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. You're welcome. Absolutely. You've been listening to Janelle Goodwill discuss the media effects on social support, mental health, and views of masculinity of college-age black men on In Social Work.
Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, Professor and Dean of the University of Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our online and on-the-ground degree in continuing education programs, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu. And while you're there, check out our Technology and Social Work Resource Center. You'll find it under the Community Resources menu.